With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, <laughs> it would be a war spot, eh? Football fans across the globe. It's little Dan here with your latest Wars Fancast match preview, part of the 90min.com network. On tonight's show, I've got with me Stu and Leeds fan George O'Neill of the BBC. Don't boo loud, everyone. He's just a, he's a good guy working for a great company. Um, we'll, we'll talk a bit more in depth about that later. Um, just a few uh, bit of housekeeping before we proper jump into the show. Uh, match tickets for Dave Edwards' uh, charity match on the 26th of March at Shrewsbury Town Football Club are still on sale. There's also a raffle ticket link that's uh, out on our socials at the moment for a chance to actually play in the game. I think the the um, the winner of those places, either for Shrewsbury or Wall, should be announced in the next sort of 24 hours. So if you haven't already, try and get involved in that. Uh, the two charities involved are Little Rascals UK Foundation and the Shrewsbury Town uh, Foundation. So two great causes and uh, it's going to be a great day. An old uh, Wolves 11 uh, consisting of players like Carla Kimi, uh Richard Stearman, Jody Craddock, Matt Jarvis, uh, Sylvan Ebanks, Blake, the, the list goes on. It should be a good day out. As I said, it's, good, it's all... Uh, Money being raised for charity, so if, uh, if you can make it down to Shrewsbury on the 26th of March, get yourself a ticket beforehand. Uh, as you're all aware, today it's March the 17th, St. Patrick's Day, one of the most uh, favourite days for people who like to drink who aren't Irish. Um, so, so, yeah, I hope you're enjoying yourselves uh, out there tonight. If you're uh, if you're out, if you're drinking in, indoors, outdoors, I hope you're enjoying yourself. Um, and obviously to all our Irish supporters all over the world, hope you're having a great day. Uh, just going to quick come to to both of you, Stu. We, we we did put it on our social media earlier. What is that your favourite Wolves goal scored by an Irishman? It's going to be a bit niche. This is, but because of what it meant at the time, um, and it was Keo at Wigan. Just because we'd never we hadn't had a Premier League win ever in. Premier League, not top first division, obviously, but we've gone a whole year in 2003-04 without winning away, and then to be promoted with a bunch of chances and stragglers and Andy Keogh, of all people, to get the winner at Wigan, it was just magical, and I can't remember a time when he, of all people, got so, got 4,000 people celebrated like that. Just superb. Hayley's uh, joined the uh, the comments section as usual. Thanks for joining us again, Hayley. I hope you're doing well on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, as you're all aware, uh, as you can see at the bottom of our screen, we've got George O'Neill, Leeds supporter. Uh, George, I'm going to come to you. Tell us some of your favourite Irish Leeds players throughout your time supporting the club. I've just had a, just off the top of my head there, we've not had that many to shout about in recent years, but I think going back to when I first started watching Leeds, uh, Gary Kelly was still in the first team. Obviously, legend. His legs were going a bit um, by that point, but what he'd done for the football club. You talk about the goal Keo scored at Wigan. I remember Gary Kelly scoring a great goal on the volley against Wigan from the edge of the box when we'd have dropped out of the Premier League. And then in League One, Michael Doyle was brilliant in midfield for us, getting us out of League One. He was fantastic. Plenty of Irish players that have played for both because obviously we put on our social media earlier some uh, great Wolves goals scored by Irishmen over the years. One of my favourites, and you know how big a, a fan of I, I am of um, Mark Kennedy gully, but that that player final goal 
Uh, absolute cracker. Obviously, scored that right foot shot away to Worsley off the bar. That left foot volley away at Stockport is just an unreal strike. What's some of your favourite uh, Wars goals scored by Irishman Gully? Yeah, that, that Stockport one was my first ever away game. Um, oh. uh, people people will remember it because it, it was an uncovered stand. Um, and uh, I remember I would have been, what, 2001, was it 2002 maybe? Yeah, yeah. I'd have been, I'd have been nine or ten. And we went up in a little minibus with uh, that's the one. Um, we went up in a little minibus with uh, my dad and his mates, and uh, got taught the taught the the sign for um, a serial masturbator. That, um, that day, <laughs> I remember as, at that age. That was that's a that's a memory that sticks with me, along with that Mark Kennedy strike, which is just still probably. I mean, forget Irishman. One of the best goals I can ever recall a Wolves player scoring. It was unbelievable. The way it bounced out to him, um, I mean, thinking about it, I'm, I'm trying to think about Robbie Keane's stuff, but yeah, it's slightly before my proper memories of football. That 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 yeah. double on his debut, you've 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 got to go some to beat that strike from the edge of the box again, left foot um, on the bounce um, to, against Norwich on his debut. That was an unbelievable goal for a 17 year old kid to come in and score. Um, just showed what, what a talent he was, um, and obviously went on to do great things. Um, but yeah, the Irishmen have served us well over the years. And Mick McCarthy gave us a little reminder of uh, of uh, of his uh, abilities as a manager the week uh, in his last game, didn't he? Uh, back at QPR, <laughs> winning six one um, with Blackpool, which um, nice way to to head into St Patrick's Day for him. Yes, there's been some great Irishmen over the years for Wolves. Some not so great, um, but some absolute iconic goals. That Matt Doherty to uh, seal the 3-2 win after being 2-0 down at home to Man City. Uh, Stephen Hunt on the last uh, game of the season at home to Blackburn to, to keep us in the Premier League. There's been some amazing goals, some absolute limbs moments. Um, we've had a few people mention on social media, the Andy Keogh winner away at Derby 3-2. Uh, another big game, obviously, Stu's already mentioned uh, Wigan away by Andy Keogh. Um, trying to think what other sort of goals. Uh, Stu, you, you'll probably remember this one. You, you definitely will just by looking at Old Wars videos on YouTube. But Glenn Crow scoring away at Charlton is uh, an, <laughs> an unreal goal that people t tend to forget because he never really had a great career for Wolves. So, uh, like I said earlier, happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Uh, enjoy your night. Uh We've got, to, we've got to touch on it because it's been uh, heavily on, on social media today. Uh, VAR, uh, Tom Colomos uh, tweeted that an independent panel have come to a conclusion that Andy Madley made a mistake by not awarding Wolves a penalty after Raul Jimenez was uh, impeded by Nick Pope. But then the same panel also ruled that VAR, Tony Harrington, did not make a mistake in choosing not to intervene Madley's decision as it was deemed a clear and obvious error. Um, I'll come to you first, George, just because just curious. Did you see the uh, situation between Jimenez and Nick Pope last weekend and, and what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think, I, I don't know about you boys, but just VAR on the whole, I'm sick of talking about it. It's it every incident getting... because. If you if you support Wolves, you think it's a penalty. If you support Newcastle and it goes against you, you're probably thinking it's a bit harsh. It's one of them where, and there's so many decisions that in the past you just wouldn't even talk about it. You just move on and you think, oh, we've probably been hard done by there, and it it's it it drives me mad. I'm I'm really sick of it. We had one against uh, against Brighton in the last game where Rodrigo two defenders sort of sandwich him and he goes down in the box and you're thinking. That's a good shout for a penalty, and they've not looked at it. And but uh, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm quite ambivalent towards the whole thing now, to be honest. Um, Stu, unlike you to um, aggravate the WhatsApp group, having seen the the Jimenez penalty now, um, is, are your thoughts still the same that it wasn't a penalty? What I said, and this is why I didn't say anything all week because I knew what would happen to me, and I'd be lambasted again. In in real time, in the ground, I thought he'd massively... In row triple Z, which you were in. 
Well, you say we were right on top it was, of it. It was at the, the Wolves end of the ground, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for, Rel's done this before, and we know that he's done this before, where he's had moments where it would be easier if he just stayed on his feet and just tapped it in, where he's exaggerated a fall. In real time, watching it first without nothing else, I thought, oh, he, what is he doing? That was what my, my instinct was. And that's why when I, I I hadn't seen it, I'd seen one replay at halftime when I when I dropped it in the uh, group chat, and obviously I got destroyed. But this thing today, it's one or the other. You either say okay, if they've said he's, that the refs made a mistake, then clearly it, the VR is at fault. <laughs> and I know every every incident gets reviewed anyway, and the whole oh it wasn't looked at, and we all know it's looked at. But the whole point is. He was not for something like this that was so weird. Why not giving him the option to go and look at it again on the screen? He's unforgivable. That is a joke. That's the, that's the worst part about it all. I still think that Raul exaggerated it, but the at the same time, you look at the Jota goal against the Jota penalty against Palace. Was was that last season or the start of this season? Three 0 and that was why there was nothing in there compared to what Raul was banjack style over like that. So we all know why these things happen. And I've come on here in the last month or so calling refs racist, corrupt, all the rest of it. But this one, I haven't got a problem with him not giving a penalty. I have got a problem, and a massive problem with him not using the technology for it to fucking you're supposed to be there for, to just go give him a second chance. I know that the whole, if the whole thing is... What I'm guessing what they mean by didn't did the right thing here is he's described it the how the thing works. The ref would have described it how he saw it to Tony Harrington. If that is relatively okay, he do, by the silly little VAR rules that he doesn't have to talk about it anymore. If it could collaborate his story, which is ridiculous, which is the complete opposite of what it's for. And I just don't, I, I don't understand why they we know why because they're covering their ass again. And this wouldn't have been given the other way around, or if it'd been given with Liverpool, Arsenal, anyone else against us, or Leeds, or Forest, or anyone else, doesn't matter. It's not just a Wolves thing. VAR was supposed to be there to sort the shit out. If he if he'd seen it again and he'd said, No, I'm sticking with my first first thought, whatever, fine. That's his problem. But to not to say, oh yeah. He, he might have fell over. It's contentious. It's a contentious thing. I There was me, and the, the, it wasn't just me. There was a few other people having to go at Raul as well around me, saying, get up. It wasn't just me. Um, but the vast majority of people are saying, well, that's a penalty. And if the vast majority of people are saying that, and there's like 5% of minority, then surely there's some kind of doubt there, which means you have to go and look at it again. So you can't come out with a statement like that and say one's right and then the other's wrong. Doesn't make any sense. They're either both right or they're both wrong. Simple as. Yeah. It does look, it does look <laughs> stupid there. Yeah. When when the referee is on the halfway line, how can he be a hundred percent sure in his decision making in the process there? And that's what VAR was supposed to be used utilised in situations like that. I. The thing that obviously George has already touched on it, VAR is too much of a talking point every other week on, on this channel and all the other football channels in the world because everyone feels hard done by by VAR. Every football fan wants VAR used in every single second of every single match as long as it benefits their team. And it's just become too much of a talking point now that I'm with sort of George that you look at certain replays and you think, oh, we've, we've been hard done by there. But... Um, you, you, you just accept it. You, you you accept that officials are humans and you'd like to believe that they aren't corrupt and incompetent. But when you've got VAR showing the incompetence, it just becomes massively aggravating. And as some of you just saw on screen, Newcastle have just made it one all in their fixture away at Nottingham Forest. Is that coming up to half-time or just starting second half stream? Yeah, there's two minutes uh, injury time left. Um it's going. It's come to something now where with VAR. I mean, I'm still 
my stance with it uh, as has always been the case there's no problem with the technology there it's it can be used for good if you've got people who know what they're doing like the majority of the world cup well and the yeah. world cup before it but it's got to the stage where <laughs> officials in this country and australians are so ridiculous and inept and not fit for purpose that they're going to have to do it like the flag system in the NFL, like tennis, have three challenges because they can't be trusted. They can't be trusted and they can't behave themselves in such an extent that you say, oh, yeah, that's fair. Where well, you're just seen that last week and then you've got to think about it logically and think, oh, okay, it, are we being serious now? Is it a handball? Is it really? Or is he touched the back of his wrist? like in the Champions League, which was a joke, by the way. Um, that wouldn't be appealed for, because if you do it and you lose your challenge, you've lost the challenge. Stu, isn't there an argument there, though, that if you went to a challenge system, you're actually trusting the referees more, because you're basically letting the game be played as was until a ma opposing manager decides he wants to intervene. So you're saying... Just to the referee, as well. Yeah. I, I personally oh. think that's... I don't think it's that bad a, a, a suggestion, just because I think... A lot of football teams will make frivolous claims towards referees and stuff all the time anyway and try and influence decisions off the back of it. Therefore, if they are restricted in how much they can actually back up what they're claiming, you know, it, it makes it a bit more uh, sincere, I guess, because yeah. and management managers will have to actually think about, you know what, do I really believe that that was a foul? Do I really believe that that was a handball, etc., etc.? And then make a judgment call on, on on off the back of it, and it removes. You talked the, about the you talked about the referees' incompetency as well, Stu. I don't think it's just that. I think that there's so much ambiguity with what the rules actually are, yeah. and they're so changeable. There's it's that thing of you've got a a dual thing of not everyone knows the rules or don't think they're right. And the referees aren't fantastic at implementing the, them. The Leipzig handball in the week was was the one. Wasn't it? Like, it <laughs> was just, the whole thing. Like, nobody whole wants thing. to see that given, like, and and yet they want to make these decisions. You know, apply the letter of the law to its nth degree. Nobody, no fan in the world wants to see that given as a handball. And there, there you have it. It's, I mean, look, personally speaking. I'd, I'd throw VR, VR in the bin at the end of the season and be done with it. I hate talking about refereeing controversies. It takes up way too much away from football, genuine good football and, and entertainment. And that's what we're... I always hear the line, um, uh, you know, people saying officiating and referees are making them fall out of love with the game, are, um, you know, turning people away from the sport because, you know, people are getting, over, uh, getting done over all the time. I'd love to know if people would actually stop going to football because referees are shit. I highly <laughs> doubt that is the case. I, 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 I highly doubt that is the case. Genuinely. It's like, it's like people who were saying, oh, yeah, match of the day was better last week because there was no country. <laughs> yeah. When there's when two million people watch it every single week and it's the, the most viewed football product in the whole country. Fuck off, man. But my, my, my point about the challenge thing was the fact that, like this one, like this, this Tony Harrington thing today, where they said, oh, yeah, because he followed protocol, protocol says, which <laughs> I'm guessing what I know exactly what they mean because of my sadness of all this stuff. Because he's described exactly what VAR has seen, that means they can't show it again and they can't review it. Well, that's clearly ridiculous. So you take that completely away by a challenge system. Say, well, no, we want you to go and look at that again. Go and do your job properly. There goes that ambiguity straight away. I've, I've completely lost all my train of thought listening to this VAR <laughs> because, it's like, like you've all said, VAR has just become too much of a talking point that it's just become tedious because we're not talking about what we're here to talk about, which is good Get football. Back on track, Get us back on track. Good football by good players who play attractive football, which you know, which causes all over the shop, limbs, moments, which is what people are there for. Some of the offside goals that get disallowed now, you would have thought VAR would have been brought in to allow more goals to happen using the sort of automated system, not having players who are offside by a heel or a, or a semi in the shorts. It's, it's ridiculous at times. Sure. Let, let's talk about the proper football, which is game week 28. And just to help George out, just for the record, 
our opinions do not re- represent George or the BBCs this evening. <laughs> uh, game week 20 has already begun. It's um, Norris 1, Newcastle 1. Some massive games this weekend. Some massive games coming up. I, I looked at Leeds fixtures um, earlier on. Actually, I heard it on a, on a, on a Leeds podcast. But yeah, tomorrow, um, four, three o'clock, which start with Aston Villa, Bournemouth, Brentford, Leicester, Southampton, Tottenham, and obviously Wolves versus Leeds. Uh, Chelsea versus Everton is the evening kickoff on Sky Sports with the weekend coming to a close with Arsenal um, at home to Crystal Palace at two o'clock on Sunday because obviously the uh, FA Cup is back this weekend, which... Nobody cares about it because it's a Mickey Mouse Cup when your club's not in it. Uh, George, I'm going to come to you first. Looking at those fixtures there, you might think Leeds is the banker, but which team is your banker this weekend to pick up three points? I'd, I'd like to say Chelsea. They're on a bit of an upturn. I want Everton to lose, but then Ars- Arsenal are the banker. Palace are terrible. Arsenal are brilliant. Yeah, awesome. obviously Patrick Vieira got the sack today. Um, gone a whole calendar year without a uh, a victory. Stew. No manager can survive that sort of period without picking up points. Obviously, they went. I don't know whether it was three or four games without a shot on target. I thought Wolves were bad in front of goal until I heard about Crystal Palace's woes with shots on target. Um, who's your banker for a win this weekend, Stu? I mean, ordinarily I'd say Leeds, but <laughs> um, I'm going to be positive today. I don't think Arsenal are just because you got the new manager bounce thing, even though it's someone from within, and they can't possibly carry on not having shots, can they? I know they had a few in the week, apparently, but there might be something about that, especially with Arsenal what, losing on penalties in the week as well. Um, annoyingly, I'd probably say Villa against Bournemouth. Just, I just Bournemouth just looks shit, and I, I, I Villa have got that annoying thing about him again, and then Ollie Watkins is on form, so. Annoyingly, I want to say Villa are the banker of the week. Uh, Gully, obviously, uh, George has mentioned Arsenal being Palace. Palace obviously sacked Patrick Vieira, have appointed an under 21s um, Paddy McCarthy to take over. Roy Hodgson is uh, nearly evens with the bookies to take over at Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, I believe, are just above us in the league uh, on yeah. goal difference. That's right, they're in 12th, Wolves are in 13th. Look at that league table there on the right. Palace on 27 points and Bournemouth on 24, Leeds on 23. It's a, a massive weekend for Wolves and Leeds that, you know, one win Texas, a point Texas above Palace if we were to get a draw tomorrow. Leeds would go a point within Palace. Do you see Palace going down, Gully? Just before we, we, we get on to their fortunes, uh, Paddy McCarthy famous for getting done by Ebanks Blake when he scored that cracker against uh, Charlton, uh, I do believe. Um, and, well, I don't know is, is, the, is the, the answer to that question. You could throw, you know, three, three names, you know, whoever lands within... You could throw all the names up from 12th to 20th and whoever lands... Within the relegation spots, just you know, they're the ones you could be picking to go down. I, th- I feel like Palace have felt the need to act just because they weren't scoring enough goals, wasn't it? Really, but is a is an under twenty ones manager the guy who's going to be able to turn that around? I don't really see it happening. Um, if the, I mean, there's talk of Roy Hodgson, like you say, is he going to decide? To to you know release the shackles if that's what need what's needed. No, he's not. And they're not they're not a defensively bad team, um, which we've spoken about in the week in our WhatsApp group as well. So, what are you trying to get out of these players? You got to inspire them. You got to get them going again. And it just doesn't seem like um, there are that many options out there that they're pursuing uh, to to actually turn their fortunes around. I, yeah, they're sinking ship, aren't they? I, I mean, Palace are one of those teams that they, they don't really get the most coverage and they go under the radar pretty much every season anyway. So the fact that they've kind of sleepwalked into this situation has probably come as a surprise to most of us. I, I had to look, I think it was last week I referenced it in, in something, but the fact that we were level on points with them was like flabbergasted me. Like I, I was like, when the hell did that happen? Um, but clearly... You know, something needs to change there. Um, I, I mean, 
Our, our recollection of Palace is last season, they absolutely bullied us in both games. Earlier this season, we let ourselves down having gone 1-0 up. So we don't see beyond that them being a bad team because they've, they've, they've had the better of us for such, such a long time. And we are obviously you know, tunnel vision as, as football fans with the way things are going at other clubs, generally speaking. So if they've decided to act, and I'm sure the fan base you know, will, will be either pleased or disappointed with that decision and they'll probably know best on that front. I know you're not like a, uh, a fellow podcaster of ours, Gully. I know you've got a slight spot for Leeds, not like someone who supports Liverpool in a spare time. But who, who would you like to go down, Gully? <laughs> it's funny. I, I was um, I had to go and see IT at work in the week and uh, the guy that I was dealing with had Leeds badges, his profile picture. And when I went to see him, I said, um, are you a Leeds fan, are you? And I said, oh, yeah, I've got a little soft spot for Leeds. And he actually laughed at me because I think basically <laughs> nobody in the country has a soft spot for Leeds, do they? But um, reason being, first Premier League game I ever went to was Leeds back in like 99. Uh, first Champions League game I ever went to was when they are in the Champions League playing Barcelona. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's just, my uncle was a big Leeds fan. So I've just, you know, kind of been brought upon them being a, a great club really and then, you know, for a period of time. But everybody else hates them, so there you go. Um, I can't stand the thought of Everton being allowed to get away with it any longer. <laughs> I can't stand the thought of um, Southampton being such a bad football team and being able to stay up. And I honestly don't know what Bournemouth have done to get 1-0 wins out of us in Liverpool. Um, so... Really, I would say those three teams, but Leeds seem to find a way to not be very good on a regular basis. West Ham, to be honest, part of me thinks they've basically shit-assed their way to a couple of good seasons. I, I don't know what it is with them. They, they came out of COVID and uh, without any fans in the ground, clearly um, built up a bit of momentum, had that Europa League run and things like that, which has carried on through. But I've never thought they were that good a team, ever. Like I, I, I think... If they had to play that COVID season with fans in the stadium, they would have not had any of the success that they've had because they would have wilted under the pressure of it. And they were, they were one of the teams that benefited. We weren't. We, we didn't benefit from having no fans in the stadium. Um, but if they were to go down, I wouldn't be too upset about it either. Daily, I'm starting to get on board of, of Leicester getting relegated because I feel like them winning the league and having like a really good Champions League run, which I think they got to like the quarterfinals a few years back. It feels like they've had their glory moment. It's time for them to go back to the, down to the Championship, which I feel Leicester have always been a bit of a Championship side. But they might think Wolves are a Championship side to a, to a degree, but Leicester and West Ham, if Leicester, West Ham and Everton, I think those are my, my, my three I want to get relegated now because they're just three quite big clubs who I feel they need to taste a bit of the championship. The only thing I say that about that is, Dan, sorry, Leicester what? winning the league and not being able to establish themselves is a sad indictment of the way the Premier League has become basically that kind of, you know, monopoly times six. You know, they should have been able to kick on in any meritocracy yeah, they should have been able to establish themselves up in the top half of the league at least. The fact that they haven't is is sad. Like, and we shouldn't be celebrating the fact that that's the way things have gone. It's well, not the, just the, that good. They, they won the FA Cup as well after that, and now look where they are. It's you, you can't just blame the, the the pandemic and you know a lack of funds for their current predicament. Brendan Rodgers is a good manager, but he does have this sort of three year cycle, doesn't he? Yeah, which yeah, is fine, which but is I just think, I just think you, know, you know, you want teams to be able to break into that top six, that top six and, and, and stay there, and it's just, it's just a bit shit that that wasn't the case with them. But they, they did have all the chances, though. This is the point with them, though. I mean, they, they spent 80 million quid on that new training ground, which is ridiculously excessive, and then they employed that, oh, what's his name, that, that plasticine French bloke who was boring all the time. Claude Puel. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> When they did employ him, and look what happened there. It was a complete disaster. So they bought it all on themselves. It's not that they didn't have a chance. They had all the money. They, they, they spent the Maguire money on a training ground, which is fair. But they've just been really, really badly run ever since it happened, other than the FA Cup win. And we don't. I know you want to go against the um, the, the Grain George and uh, 
not want Leeds to get relegated like half the country does, but <laughs> who would you like to get relegated this season? You can say Wolves if you like. I, I won't kick you out of the stream. I, I think you boys will be all right. It's that weird thing if you never think your club are going to be fine. But I think from a distance, Lopetegui's a good coach. He knows what he's doing. He's come in. He's, like, there's been a bit of an upturn. I know you're still in that group of eight teams that are in the midst of it. I, I'm with Gully. I'd like Everton to go down. I, it's, it's, it's lesser now that Lampard's not there. But, yeah, yeah, I think just his presence around that football. How should you plan for when your home becomes too small? Or when the next one gets too big? At Sandy Spring Bank, we're here to help create personalized solutions for financing your home loan. Whether it's a new home or refinance, renovation or addition, fixer-upper or new build. Banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your mortgage. Visit sandyspringbank.com mortgage. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank, equal housing lender. Club for so long, and his irritable little face. I'd quite like, yeah, yeah. I've had enough. Everton's Everton's over expenditure the last sort of few years. Well, yeah, um, it's, it's their own fault. They've they've spent money terribly. They've had they've had every chance to do well. They had Ancelotti. They had big money, and they've spent it terribly. And now are reaping the rewards. And I know Leeds have invested poorly as well. And the last year, 18 months has just been disastrous. But it can be, it can be the, it's, they're not mutually exclusive. I can, I can criticize other teams and still think that Leeds have done terribly. I, 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 there's part of me that I genuinely feels sorry for the, um, the Everton owner because you can't really knock him. He spent so much money. But the people that he's relied upon to to do their jobs, whether it's managers. I mean, how Ancelotti's got gone to Real Madrid and won like Champions Leagues after Everton <laughs> is is mind blowing. No one could have ever foreseen whoever decided to spend was it fifty million pound on Gilfie Sigurdsson, which we can't go into too much. It's some of their recruitment has been mind blowing. It's like what George says that, that they're reaping what they're sowing now, and um, part of me just wants Jordan Pickford to get relegated because. Don't, how did you describe Frank Lampard a minute ago? Irritable little face. I think Jordan yeah. Pickford is <laughs> the same for me, George. Um, Stu, just keep it quickly. Uh, who are your three uh, that you'd like to get relegated at this current time? That I'd like to get relegated. Um, Bournemouth, Forest, Everton. Easy. Right. Let's talk about today's pre-match press conferences from for the game between Wolves and Leeds. Uh Nathan Judah reported that Huangi Chan has picked up a new injury. He'll be ruled out until after the international break. Pablo Sarabia and Mateus Cunha should be fit for tomorrow's game. Bubakar Traore is back fit, but he's not going to be ready for this weekend. Uh, uh, Jason Marshmont, uh, lead reporter, reported uh, Javi Gra- Gracia saying Liam Cooper has been um, is back available for Leeds and could feature in tomorrow's game. Um, George. For the Wolves fans who aren't overly um, knowledgeable about Liam Cooper, obviously he's been key captain for you for a good few years now, been missing for the majority of the season. How, how big a return is that for you? It, it, I don't even, I don't know if he'll start, but what it is big in the sense of is that he's he's the leader of this football club and has been for God knows how many years. He's probably, it's probably coming up for 10 years he's been at the football club not captain for all of that, but he's he's the big presence in the dressing room. And that's what you hear when you talk to anyone involved in the football club is how influential Liam Cooper is and how good a person he is to have around. And so just having him in the match day squad, I think that presence there, that leader will help. I think the, the big one for us team news wise is Tyler Adams is out injured. He's done his hamstring. Um, and that just, that just takes away a bit of bite from our midfield and when you're down there and it's those fine margins you want you want a player like him in the middle that's going to run around and win the ball back and be a bit of a horrible little bastard in midfield it is going to be a, it's, it's a massive game the next like few few games for Wolves are huge I had a look at sort of Leeds win I think Leeds have got Wolves Forest um, Everton and maybe Crystal Palace in the next Three or four weeks, George. Your your fixture list in April is pretty much Michael Bragg for Leeds, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's it's got to that point of the season where for all the teams down there, it's make or break now. You you it's people always say forty points to stay up. I, I don't think it ever is as much as that, but it's getting to the point now where every team down there needs probably at least at least four wins to be to be sure that they're staying up. And the games they they, they disappear very quickly. Like if if Leeds lose to Wolves, you're going into the international break. You've got Arsenal when you come back. Don't see us taking anything from that, and then that's two games gone, and you you've only got ten games left to pick up those fifteen points. And yeah, it's it's getting to the point now where like all season, Leeds fans have been saying how oh, we play pretty good stuff. We've maybe been a bit leaky at the back, but we haven't won games, and that catches up with you. And if you don't start winning soon, you'll go down. Uh, here in Lapataga, did comment and saying that this match has the same importance for Leeds as it does for Wolves. We want to face this match with big character. It's going to be a big demand on us. He did mention that, uh, obviously, Hwangi Chan has picked up another injury. Uh, how frustrating is that news, Gully? Um, Hwangi Chan picking up another injury? Yeah, that's it's not good. We saw with um, the way Lopetegui set up early on when he first joined that, that Hwang was going to be quite important to him. Um, he started most games, I think, for the first few weeks, and then he picked up an injury and was out for a while. Um, so yeah, it's also almost kind of making a bit of a makeshift decision then off the back of it. We've obviously seen uh, Mateus Nunes play in a wider position, although Sarabia being back makes it a more natural choice for him to play. Um, if he is back fit, I do just hope that um, Cunha. And him and there's a pair together uh, for this game because, I mean, I, I had a look at it in the week with, um, with the various starting lineups and, and substitutions that Lopetegui has made since he's joined the club. But the first time that I felt, you know what, he's properly got it right was probably Fulham. And that's when we played with the front two uh, of, of those two. You know, we really dominated that game for the first hour. Um, and I think that's the way to go, especially at home. What's Cunha been like? Mentioned well. A lot of people have Go been on, quite, um, uh, they've been quite unsure what his best position is. The club have suggested he was brought in as a, as a proper number nine. He has not really got the traits of a proper number nine. He seems to be better when he plays with a proper centre forward alongside him. Hence, that performance against uh, Fulham was really welcome. Um, when he's when he's played up, up on his own, he's, he works really hard, presses well, has good link up and things like that. But then when it comes to trying to get on the end of things in the box, he just didn't really have that instinct. Um, so yeah, you, you end up lacking something in terms of, uh, of of trying to finish chances off. But I think ultimately he'll go on to be a really good player for us. I think you can see that he's got all the all the tools for it. Yeah. Leeds were uh, massively linked to Cunha, weren't they, George? I think uh, you look at the money that Wolves have spent and you may feel like you've dodged a bullet there, but then at the same time, you've spent massively on George Jr. and Ritter, haven't you? What's, what's, your, been, what's your opinions of uh, Ritter since he's joined? He's he's a strange one in that he's, he's clearly got a lot about him. It's a bit like Gully was saying about Cunha in that I, I don't think he's a he's an out-and-out out centre-forward, but that's what he's been brought in to do. He's been brought in to score the goals to keep us up, in a sense. Um I don't think he was quite ready. I don't, I don't think he was up to speed. He hadn't played much um, before, before the World Cup and then in the World Cup break. Um, so I think it's taken him a couple of weeks to get up to speed. It's, it's the same again. He's shown glimpses that he's, he's clearly a good footballer and he's got a lot about him. But he's, he's 20, 21 years old. Like it's, it's asking a lot for him to be the main man. You mentioned uh, moments ago, George, that Tyler Adams has picked up an hamstring injury. Looking at your team that drew against Brighton last weekend, who's likely to sort of marshal your midfield with uh, the American being out? Uh, so, it, it, I, I, I'm barring something really drastic, it'll be M McKenny that comes in for Adams, just a straight, straight, straight swap, and it'll be him and Rocker in the midfield. Uh, Grassi was saying in, in his presser that... He's been considering Darko JB and Archie Gray, who are two lads out of the academy. Archie Gray, is, I think he's just turned 17, signed his first pro contract today. And all the noise coming out of the football club is that he's he's going to be unbelievable. But 
I mean, he's probably going to be on the bench with JB as our midfield backup options. And I think that's that's kind of the, the worry is that if anything happens to Rocker or McKenney, then you're looking at someone very inexperienced coming in and being thrown in at the deep end. Someone who has been a consistent um, thorn in Wolves' side, I was looking at your subs bench from last week, is uh, Rodrigo. Was he only recently come back from injury? What, why didn't he start last week? Uh, yeah, so yeah, he's been out. Um, he's just, he's a strange footballer, Rodrigo. I'm I'm still yet to be convinced he's actually good. Um, but but he scores lots of goals, and he's been he's been our top scorer this season. And yeah, he's he's been out injured. I think they're just easing him back in. Um, and having him back is obviously a positive because he's been the main source of goals. Stuart, we've already discussed about Wangi Chan being out, so that's going to free up a space on our uh, subs bench for the weekend. But what changes would you make from that lineup that started against uh, Newcastle last week? I know you're not a massive fan of Powden, so I expect him to drop to the bench for you, but any changes you'd like to suggest? Well, I'd rather him drop off the bench as well. Um, look, it's, a, it's the eternal Adama Traore problem, eh, that he doesn't do it from the start, and yet again, he was woefully bad. And you've got to think as well, the Nonto problem, I, I presume he was on the bench rested last week and then he, he's going to come and terrorise us, where ideally you can't have someone like Sarabia in front of Samedo as added protection down that side, a bit like what Huang would have done. Um, you can't trust Traore to do that because he just won't do it, will he? We, we know he won't do it and neither will Pudence. So I think that puts Sarabia on the right almost automatically, and then you look at it. I mean, I wouldn't be against playing Nunes in that kind of weird left midfield role again if, you, if you're playing with Cunha and Jimenez at top because it has worked, not greatly for him, but for the team, it's kind of, there's a weird effectiveness to it. But I think we are starting to get a bit, and the problem is at, at left-back as well, because we, you can't have... Matthias there with eight new behind him, can he? So where's Johnny? Is Johnny broken again? It's just it's all a bit up in the air all of a sudden. But I think I think Sarabia just has to come straight back in. If he's fit, he just has to play. I think the stick that he's got from certain people um, has been absolutely ridiculous, and you can see he's got he's got more than enough about him um, <laughs> to uh, excuse to do me. Job there. <laughs> Um, I'm still unconvinced with Pablo Sarabia. I know he, I know he works hard. It's similar to Wangi Chan that you know Lopetegui likes those types of players purely because of their their work rate that they put in. But from a sort of you know as a former wide man of exceptional <laughs> talent, if if you're not stat padding assists throughout a season as a wide man, you, you may as well be a converted fullback. What is what's Pablo Sarabia bringing apart from work rate, Gully? Because I know you like the guy too, like Stu. It's yeah, I, I think people are put off by him because he's not that quick, <laughs> and all we know as Wolves fans is being very fast uh, out wide <laughs> is a good thing. Like you know, we've we've been ball carrying FC for the longest time. You know, Neto, Jota, um, Adama, even go back to like Matt Jarvis. Uh, you know, back in them days. If you're not quick, then what are you offering me as a winger? Um, I think he showed what he does do in and around the penalty area with that goal against Fulham. He has composure. He has the ability to actually finish chances, which um, he showed with his goal record at Sporting last season. He, he's got a decent record uh, in Spain as well. Um, and he's just an experienced, smart footballer. He, I, I, I did talk about this in the game against Spurs. I know he came off, but... He just he's able to support uh, the central midfield and keeping the ball as well, just because he's technically secure. It's not flashy, and he, he's never going to be flashy. But um, he, at the at this point, every good game we've had in recent weeks, he's been in the team. So I think that's almost part of you know your selection process, isn't it? And you look well. You look at who wasn't in the team against Newcastle and how bad that performance was, and Sarabia and Matthias start. There was no movement at all. Again, was that it was back to the bad old days? I mean, and we've still only created a total of five XG for all of our strikers combined all season long. 
So I think to be exactly that's how shit we are, George. This is this is the problem. <laughs> We're on a par with Palace for this nonsense over a year now. Without a striker scoring, and I'm it, backing Dan to put more on the plate for our strikers. Yeah, so all this the, you the, say that in it with a negative tone. I don't like it. <laughs> no, it's just Dan that we're sat on a podcast rather than actually going out and training every day. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only thing holding you back. George, yeah, it, George, looking at the, the the wolf side there on the left, who still does provide you with minimum concern based on the fact that we can barely <laughs> score in a brothel. Minimum. <laughs> uh, I don't know because I, I look at your forward players and I think Podent scored against us at Ellen Road and despite what I've just heard to the contrary, I always thought he was quite a handy little footballer. Jimenez, I think I'm still in my head have the Raul Jimenez that first arrived in England and I th think he's brilliant but clearly he's had this dearth of goals and but then Adama Traore is the one that really scares me because I think he's a bit of a joke of a footballer and a bit of a gimmick. But every time he plays Leeds, <laughs> he terrorises. I think that sums him up perfectly. Sorry, George. Saying that, I went to the away game at Ellen Road last season where he scored the penalty to equalise. Oh, and dear. Genuinely... I think that's the only game I've ever seen where Adama did not complete a dribble statistically. Um, and yeah, that, that's mind-blowing. Adama is a lot of things. What, one thing you know he will do is beat his man. Zero dribbles completed yeah. against a Bielsa team when he's playing 1v1 the entire game. But it, was, it, was, it, was, it was awful. I mean, if, if he's up against Junior Firpo, he'll complete a dribble. Because, I mean, bless him, Junior Firpo <laughs> is... He's a lot of things, bless him. He's 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 not a great defender. From um, a Leeds podcast that I listened to earlier, he seems to have a bit of a Ryan Eight Nori about him, Junior Furpo, is that apparently he might make his fifth consecutive um start or ninety minutes if he if he if he, if he makes the full ninety on um uh, tomorrow because he has got a bit of a lack of stamina, if you will. Yeah, he's 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 another really weird footballer. I think we you you'd watch him and you you think he's someone that's been kind of dropped in the middle of a Premier League game and hasn't really ever kicked a football before. But he, I think he's he's a lot better going forward. He's got a bit about him. He's quite quick. He can put a good cross in. He's, he's I think he must have been a winger growing up. But then and, and you see him going forward and you think oh maybe there's a player in there and then you see a winger run at him and you're thinking oh my god this is this is wrong. Wrong. Everything here is wrong. He's going to go down the outside of you. He's going to get to the byline and he's going to get a cross in. And it happens every single time. But we've got no other left backs, so he plays. Obviously, the uh, the guy who was uh, your poster boy for your last lineup was was Patrick Bamford. How is he fair since coming back from injury, George? I think statistically he's done quite well. Uh, if you just look at goals and assists, the the he he played in the cup away at Accrington and looked like a world beater because he has those games where things come off and his, his movement's so good and he's such a clever footballer that when everything clicks, he's brilliant. But then, I mean, it, it, he is so frustrating. And I think that the games leading up to Brighton, there was just a complete refusal to use his right foot. And then there were some quite good chances that came to him and went begging just because he's so left-footed. And then against Brighton, he has a go with his right foot and it, crashes in off the bar from outside the box and you're like come on Patrick you could you could have been doing that all your life um but yeah I I, I like Patrick Bamford I think he's a very good footballer one player I'm quite fond of for Leeds Gullies Brendan Aronson obviously tore us apart in the return fixture earlier on the season he has he has petered about a bit um recently George but who else who else for that in that Leeds side concerns you Gully? Gotta be just saying that again. Nonto, isn't it? Oh yeah, uh, I mean, Nonto's our best player, hands down. He's, he's unbelievable. Yeah, he's scary, mate. He's so so good, and he's I'm, a child. I'm amazed, I'm amazed that 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 nobody else decides to take a punt on him, given he was an Italian international uh, from FC Zurich. Like that's uh, mind-boggling, and he was cheap, wasn't he? 
Yeah, well, we thought he was coming in as like a fringe player, someone for a couple of years down the line. Um, and he's 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 so quick and so direct and so fearless, and he's a bit of a shit house as well. Like we we went in at, at Old Trafford, we went in one nil up, and he's he's giving it a little wave to the home fans as we go down the tunnel after he's scored the opening goal. And I'm like, oh, what a what a wonderful little man he is. But yeah, he's he's going to end up somewhere a, a lot bigger than than us, sadly. Yeah, I think I mean, I, I watched, George. I remember, sorry, I remember watching Villa, Villa away um, when you guys probably should have beaten him, um, and he was incredible that day. So so good. I mean, he was playing against a, a geriatric Ashley Young, but at the same time, he was just 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 so so talented. Uh, I mean. We had big Willie, but you you guys have got a little Willie now, haven't you? What you do with it? <laughs> Let's hope he was... doesn't grow into the game tomorrow. Uh, George, what's your uh, score prediction for Wars Leeds tomorrow? Uh... Newcastle's gone three one up, Stu. Yeah. So that's positive, George. That Newcastle two one up away at Nottingham Forest. What's your score prediction for tomorrow, George? Uh, I I think it'll be tight. It'll be it'll be one by the odd goal. I'll say two one leads. I'll be I'll be an optimist for once. I'll take I'll take play from the the game at Molyneux last season. I'll say another late win for Leeds two one. Horrifically, I was looking at our dinner, George from like two or three years ago, and you also predicted to win two one that night. We all saw Wolves absolutely implode last season after being two 0 up. Um, like you said, an, an iconic win with a Luke Allen winner. Stu, I really need this win tomorrow and I need one of our players doing that Robbie Keane celebration in front of Luke Allen. What's your score prediction for tomorrow, Stu? It's going to be won by the odd goal, I think. And I don't think it's going to be... It's what it, it's the kind of game that we always fuck up in all the time, which is why we're kind of... After the Bournemouth farce, where we actually didn't play that badly, but we still lost because we lost, of course. Oh dear, VAR review here. Um, one nil either way. I think it's going to be it's going to be ridiculously tense. Um, yeah, one nil either way. Gully, confident, confident for tomorrow, Gully. <sighs> well, I, I just think we managed to gift Jesse Marsh six points in the two games that we played against his teams. We beat them in the cup, but in the two league games, I don't know how we managed to to, to fumble those two fixtures. Even the, the the first game of the season, this this season, we should have been a hell of a lot um, more clinical than we were. So I'm going to go 2-0 Wolves because um, we have to pay back the, the credit in the bank in that sense. And also give Javi Gracia some shit for, for absolutely... Stinking out that FA Cup final after um, a beatness in the semi. I think Leeds are going to absolutely batter us 3 0 tomorrow, and it's going to absolutely kick off outside of Molyneux. There's going to be absolute riots. Uh, it's three o'clock kickoff. Everyone's going to be hammered. It's going to absolutely kick off outside the quick fit and fireworks and police fans are going to get set on fire, and it's just going to go up and wall rams is going to burn to the ground tomorrow. Hopefully, we win 2 0, though. As you, as you're all aware, we always finish the uh, one street. But say something. You know, we're talking about we're a fast VAR. There's now a subjective offside nonsense re- video screen review going on. There's no such thing what? as a subjective off- offside, surely. What's happened? <laughs> the ball's felt it. The ball's been kicked against a Newcastle player who's in an offside position that's gone backwards, which we know doesn't matter. But then the. <laughs> He, the ball's been kicked against him in an offside position from a Forest player, which I, I don't even know what's going on anymore. It doesn't make any sense without hearing what's what's happening. Is he going if to the Forest players hit the Newcastle player, then it can't be offside, can it? Because the Nottingham no. Forest players it's give offside. had the last contract. It's ah. give offside. So the, so the Forest... can't talk about VAR. We've done enough. No. Just say, everyone, will, if you listen to this tomorrow, you, you, they'll they would have seen it. I, I don't actually understand what the hell's going on here. I mean, the Forest players slid in to kick it away. It's hit the Newcastle player in an offside position from the Forest clearance. So, but that was okay for Liverpool against us with Toti. So, how is this allowed? Check your PDFs, do. 
It does. This doesn't make any sense. So I don't it's one all now. It's back to one one, yeah. So it's now one one. Oh, anyway, we can't talk about VAR. I've done enough for tonight. As always, <laughs> we finish with uh, sudden death squad. Uh, George, I'm not sure if you've uh, seen this on similar channels before, but I'm going to give you um, and, and Stu and Gully a previous fixture between Wolves and Leeds. You have to name a player that started in the game and it's basically sudden death between the three of you. If you name a player who started on the subs bench and featured in the game, you have to go again. This week's fixture is the Wolves Leeds 2 all draw from February 2013. I'm going to come to you first, George, as our guest. Can you name a player that featured in that game? 9th of February, 2013, Wolves 2, Leeds 2. I'll say... Would Paddy Kenny have been in goal? Yeah, Paddy Kenny was in goal for Leeds that day. I'm going to go clockwise, so it's you uh, now, Stu, with your first guess. Uh, Bakri Sacco. Bakri Sacco, left wing for Wolves that day in the two-all draw gully. I, I have a vague memory he gave away a penalty in that game. Um, uh, Danny Bart. Danny Bart equalised for Wolves in injury time that day. Uh, back to you, George. You're on mute, George, and I hope you're not looking at your phone for answers there, George. I can see you glancing down. <laughs> no, I'm reading about this Newcastle goal. I was sorry, I was just saying um, the only player that ever used to score for us back then was Ross McCormack, so it must be Ross McCormack. Ross McCormack scored from the penalty spot, which Gully may be right with the uh, who, who gave the foul away. So uh, back to you, Stu. Dave Edwards. Dave Edwards. Came off the bench that day, so you'll have to go again. Carla Kimi. Carla Kimi was in goal for Wolves that day. Uh, Gully, your guess? Um, I'm going to go Ebanks Blake. Sylvan Ebanks Blake was one of our strikers that started that day. Correct answer, George. Sam Byram. Sam Byram did start for Leeds that day. Let's pick up the pace, Drew. Doherty. Left back. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Matt Doherty was not in Wolves' squad that day. Stu is out of the game, so it's down to Gully and George. Gully, your guess? Um, I'm going to say Jack Robinson. George, you have to get this right. No. Otherwise... Uh, it goes back to Gully because that is unfortunately incorrect. I'll say Michael Brown. Michael Brown wins this week's sudden death no squad way. for our guest. <laughs> yeah, no, Michael Brown stinking out Leeds United for so long. <laughs> Michael Brown in a midfield centre. Uh, midfield partnership with Paul Green and David Norris. You can have a look at a few more of the answers on screen there for Wolves. Uh, for the Wolves fans out there, you could have had Tongo Dumbia, Jamie O'Hara, Kevin Doyle, uh, Christoph Berra, Kevin Foley, um, Stephen Ward at left back goalie instead of Jack Robinson. Leeds fans, you could have had um, Stephen Warnock, uh, Steve Morrison, Luke Varney, who scored the Leeds' first goal that day. And um, Former Liverpool fullback Lee Peltier. How bad is that team, by the way? That is terrible. Get it Look at that. Lee. That is <laughs> terrible. That's, that's dreadful. That's a front two team relegated. That's it. That's still a semi-Premier League team from us, though, isn't it? Like we hardly lost any players from that team that came down. I mean, you look at some of the bench players for Wolves that day. Jake Cassidy, Bjorn Sigurdarsson, George Margarita, Doris DeVries, uh, David Davis. Leeds bench consisting of Ross Barkley, Michael Tong. Michael Tong and, and Michael uh, Brown in 2013, man. That is like, <laughs> what is Neil going Warnock, on? Mate. Neil Warnock's <laughs> what's going on. Just signed his mate. Just going to quickly show you the um, late equaliser from Danny Bart on screen now. Uh, big, big um, 
it, where it was a big equaliser for us at the time. It didn't stop us getting relegated. Danny Bat leaping like a salmon to get his first goal for the club, uh, the player from the academy, the the Broly or Brazy, if you will. Um, hopefully, he can get promoted with Sunderland in the playoffs because Burnley are getting promoted and uh, Sheffield United or Middlesbrough are getting second. So, anyone but West Brom for me, guys. Uh, just one more thing before we go. We just want to say thank you to everyone that continues to support the Wolves Fancast, at Wolves Fancast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We reached 2,000 YouTube subscribers last week, so thank you for continually supporting us, coming on our shows, commenting, following us on social media. As as always, we've got episodes there weekly, whether it's pre-match, post-match, goalies, tactical analysis. Thank you for continuing to sponsor us. We'll be giving out a Wolves shirt in the next couple of days to celebrate reaching 2,000 subscribers. Uh, thanks for joining us. George has predicted a 2-1 win for Leeds. Stu and Gully predicted uh, short victories for either side and uh, I've gone for a Leeds 3-0 and Wolverhampton's going up in flames tomorrow but hopefully we'll win 2-0 with Ruben Neves scoring from the penalty spot and Raul Jimenez getting his first goal as a striker for Wolves in over a year thank you for joining us have a good weekend we'll see you soon Sorted.